Ephesians chapter 5. Let's read uh, verses 7 through 14. We're going to pick it up on a verse that we touched on last time, but we need to touch on again. This is in verse 7. Therefore, um, do not be partakers with them. And he's talking about the sons of disobedience and just the things that they were doing that were wrong. We're not to be partakers, participants with them. He says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake, you who sleep. That's why I talked about that today. Awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. And so here we see, he says, walk as children. If you look there again at verse 8, walk as children of light. You guys ever go to the doctor? You guys ever go to get your you know, doctor's appointment stuff? How many of you here don't go? I'm just curious. Be honest. You don't go. Okay, so there are a few of you. We have uh, medical personnel that will see you after service today. <laughs> you know, you go to the doctor, and he usually tries to tell you, um, what's the doctor's job in one sense? Make you healthy. Make you healthy. I always tell people that this place is not a museum for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. And so we're not here uh, with perfection on display. We're here to come with all our aches, with all our issues, with all our bruises, with all our infections, whatever it is. And Lord, make us healthy, make us strong. And then once we overcome that, then something else rises up. And so it's kind of cool to get together as a hospital for sinners. And when you go to the doctor, usually he'll give you a prescription or usually he'll give you some type of advice uh, dealing with whatever the issue is. Uh, sometimes he'll tell you to start eating right. Hey, you need to stop uh, whatever it might be. Other times he'll tell you to exercise. Huh? Does he ever tell you that? Hey, you need to exercise. Now, I'm sure he won't tell you to go uh, lift weights or, or, you know, hey, you got to start doing three miles a day. But nine times out of ten, he will recommend something like maybe swimming or walking, huh? You guys know how good walking is for you? Walking. And, and as Paul is going through this section in Ephesians, he's talking a lot about our walks. You know, I used to run. I, I love running, man. That I kind of like uh, Eric Liddell, and not that I can run like him, but there's something about that running that, you know, the whatever, what's it called? The endorphins, you know, they get it released and the sweat and all that kind of stuff. But I hurt my knee and haven't been able to run. And so I'm like, you know, the Lord says, okay, Manny, now it's time for you to walk. And so it's kind of cool walking outside. You guys ever walk with your family and you're getting, you know, the hills and the views. And there's something about walking with someone, walking in the Lord that I think is important. And so here, Paul in Ephesians, he talks a lot about our walk. As a matter of fact, I wanted to take you through a few verses here. Our walk, our walk as Christians, our moral journey, right? So look at Ephesians chapter 2. 
And verses 1 and 2, he says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Who's the prince of the power of the air? That's the devil. So we are now saved, praise God, but we used to walk according to the course of this world, the, the course that was set there by the devil to take us to hell. That's where we used to live. That's where we used to walk. We used to walk there, but now God wants to change our walk. Look at verse 10, if you would. Same chapter, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Walk in them. Let me tell you something. Not talk in them. Talk is cheap. We're talking about walk in them. There's a life that God wants us to live. You see it here. It begins to manifest. And then if you go over to chapter 4, if you would go to chapter 4, verse 1, as Paul then gets into the application of the theology, he says in verse 1, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, to walk worthy. Now, the Greek word axiom is where we get our word axle. And so if you can visualize an axle in a car, you got a tire on this side, a tire on this side, it's important that they're equal. Okay, so here's this side, you're saved. You got the Holy Spirit inside you. You got supernatural power. You as a Christian have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So that's that, that's who you are. Now live it. That's all he's saying. Walk worthy of this great salvation that we've been given. If you continue to look at the same chapter in verse 17, he says, This I testify, I say therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. And so now that you're Christians, he's basically saying, You know better. Yeah, you know what's true. And so you don't walk the way that the rest of the world is walking in chapter 5. Look at verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. See, we're to walk, we are to walk worthy. We are to walk in love, it says. And we went over that last week. And so, you know, it'd be so cool, man. Wouldn't it be cool if one day when your spouse summarized your life, the one word that stood out was love. They loved God and they loved me. And there's no doubt about it. That's what we have to move towards because that is the chief characteristic. How can you know a person is saved? How do you really know a person is saved? Is it their church attendance? No. Is it they read their Bible? No. Is it they pray? Well, not. You know, yeah, of course you want to have spiritual disciplines by that. But, you know, they serve the Lord. Jesus said, man, these people, they're going to come before me one day. And, and, and hey, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We did many wonders in the name. And Jesus is going to say, get, depart from me. I never knew you. You can do all that stuff and not know the Lord. You can speak in tongues and not be saved. The one characteristic of a Christian is love. And so we have to not just talk in love, we have to walk in love. This Paul here, as he's going through Ephesians, he's making sure that we have a healthy walk. If you continue looking, we come to our verse for today in verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. And so we're going to get into that. What does it mean to walk as children of the light? 
of light. We're saved now. We're sealed now. We're hopefully spirit-filled now. And what God is saying, notice again, verse uh, 7, therefore do not, do not be partakers with them. It's a conclusive prohibition. Therefore, the conclusion is, therefore, do not be partakers with them. And so basically, one of the things, the principles we have to do in life is we have to say no to the flesh, say no to the devil, say no to the world, and say yes to God. Yes, Holy Spirit. That's what we have to do. Yes, this is what your word says. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. You know, now uh, we talked about this as we've gone through Ephesians, but we have to have this understanding as Christians that are healthy and strong. We put off the old man, we put on the new man. The old man is the fallen body. It's a fallen nature that's inclined towards evil. I have a tendency, all of you guys do, if you're honest with yourself, we all have an inclination towards evil because we are depraved. When Adam fell, we all fell. We were all born with original sin. And so we all have even unique uh, weaknesses, I would say. We all have an Achilles tendon. There's something that we all have that we need to put off and that now we need to replace it by putting on. And we talked about the fact how when you wake up in the morning, you put off your old clothes or whatever, you take a shower, you put off your old clothes because they're dirty. And then you put on your new clothes. And this is how we live life as Christians. This is how you will be a healthy person, a healthy person. This is how we can make a difference in the world. The people that you work with, they'll get saved because you're strong. They'll get saved because you're a healthy Christian. The people that you have in your family, you name it, anyone God brings into your path, man, it's going to be undeniable. There's something different about that person because we will be putting off the old man and putting on the new man. And so going through our text, uh, we in verse, chapter 4, verse 2, not prideful, but humble, not prideful, but humble. Verse 2 again, not hateful, but loving, not hateful, but loving. Verse 3, not divided, where you should be united. Chapter 4, verse 3, not sitting, it says in verse 16, but serving, not sitting, but serving, not lewd or dirty or greedy, but pure, clean, and content with our spouse in chapter 4, verse 20, not lying, but truthful, in chapter 4, verse 25. Not angry, but peaceful. Not angry, but peaceful, verse 26. Not takers, but givers. See, you put off the old man, you put on the new man. Not those who tear down other people with our words. You guys, and I just want to make sure I emphasize this one because this one breaks my heart so much when I see people who try to manipulate others or they try to control or sometimes they even try to correct the situation. They want to make it better by putting other people down. And you know what, man, you got to make sure that you speak no corrupt word, but words that build them up. You really want to see them change? You speak those words of truth and edification. Verse 31, not bitter, but better. Not bitter, but better. Christians are not to be the kind of people who hold and harbor sins and wrongs done to them. And therefore, they won't budge because of their grudges. No, we are to forgive and forget. We are to truly forgive others the same way that God has forgiven us. Last week, we went over that we are not to walk in lust, but in true love. And then today we read that we are to walk not in the darkness, but we are to walk in the light. You know, and so I don't know, you guys, 
We got to be different. We have to stand out like a sore thumb. I mean, really different. And even sometimes, to be honest with you, I, I would even say like, be like, like different even in your own home, you know, because sometimes the dad needs to be that way. Man, mom and the kids, they see, look at the way he loves Jesus or the, the mom needs to be that way. You know, we need to be that way because that's going to make the difference, di- difference than, than what I used to, to be. And so I, I used to party hardy. I used to go with the flow. I used to participate in the hate. I used to take in my partaking. I used to cuss like a sailor. Uh, but when God saved me and made me his child, he brought his light inside of me. You know, and we all know how important that light is. How many of you guys, I'm just curious, use your f- light on your phone every day? I'm just curious. How many of you guys, am I the only one? <laughs> I, every day I use that light. I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool that there's a light on this. Or How many of you guys have like really sh- uh, bright beaming uh, flashlights. I'm just curious. Some of you guys are into that. You're like, yeah, I can light up my whole backyard with this flashlight, right? It, it travels three miles, man, you know, stuff like that. It's pretty cool. We all know the importance of lights, but in this case, isn't this, this is cool. You want to know what the light is? Jesus. Jesus. As a matter of fact, I think we have that passage in John chapter 8, verse 12. Do we have that verse? Look at this verse right here. It says, then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And so the cool thing is that, you know, the light is the Bible. The light is Jesus. The light will light our way and the light will shine through us. And this is not a weak light. This is not a light that one day the battery is going to die or the flashlight's going to break. This light is Jesus himself. But the, the key is follow him. Follow him with a reckless abandon. Stop holding back. Stop hesitating. Let there be no reservations, man. I am a committed follower of Jesus Christ. You know, I've been lately I've been watching that series The Chosen. Have you guys seen that The Chosen? Uh, not that many of you. Okay, maybe I shouldn't have said anything. Ah. <laughs> Anyways, you guys know The Chosen is not like pure Bible. They fill in a ton of stuff. But I will say this, they do a great job. They do a great job. So, I, I don't know, do you guys ever find a hard finding something good to watch on television? Oh man, it's a challenge. Watch The Chosen. Watch the chosen is pretty cool, man. Every single, every single episode, I've only seen like four. I can't believe my, I was watching it the other day. My son's all, Dad, you're just barely starting to watch that. It's been out for three years or something. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I never knew how good it was. But anyways, every episode, I'm crying. But anyways, you know, you see these disciples following Jesus, literally, literally following Jesus. This is what we have to do. And if we're following him, then we got this light of the world. Look at the next verse right here out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so the God who made everything, he spoke light into existence. 
This God who spoke the stars that are burning the fire, that same God that made light shines in our hearts. That's what we're talking about. That's how different you will be when you're with the non-believers and you're loving them with joy, even though you're going through crazy trials. They're going to look at you and they're going to just trip out and they're going to say, I want what you have. This is what we're talking about because it's a light who made all light. He's the one that shines in our hearts. And not only does he shine in our hearts as far as us being able to shine out, but then he shows us with that light who Jesus is, you guys. And we're talking about something that is just so, so precious. You see, before I was a Christian, I not only walked on the dark side, I was dark on the inside. And everything about me is still that. Let me tell you guys something. When I've come now to a place in my life, and I don't know if you guys are there, but man, I want the Lord more. I, I want him to change me. I want to grow more than ever before. And I've been a pastor for, you know, 20-something years, a Christian for 30-something years. And it's like, man, you're still that hungry? Yes, we all should be. And I came to a place now where it's like, okay, Lord, no longer less of me and more of you. No longer just less of me and more of you. Lord, let it be none of me and all of you. Let it be none of me and all of you. Galatians 2.25, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, right? And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so I want this light to shine. I know how dark I was, but now, Lord, uh, I want to shine. And so we read in our verse, look at verse 9. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. The fruit of the Spirit. And so what that tells me it is by the Holy Spirit that I'll be able to bear fruit. You know, some of your guys' translations, they say light, and that's because they use a different manuscript. But I like the New King James here. It's by the Spirit of God. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says the same thing. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And so by the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. And so you wonder, what is good? What is right? What is truth? Really? And so the next verse is interesting because it says, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Are you interested in what's acceptable to the Lord? You know, you're going through a situation right now, and have you asked the Lord, hey, Lord, what is pleasing? What do you want me to do? I mean, we're living in a world today that they are, that the problem with our world is they don't know how to find out what is acceptable to God who made them, who keeps their heart beating 100,000 times a day. They don't have any, they don't care. And so what do they do for them? It's just, oh, I think what's right is based on what I think is right, or maybe what we think is right. You know, that's the culture. And so we got the moral legislators, and we've got, you know, the lawmakers of the land, and they're trying to tell us what's right and wrong. And we know better. No. Um, you know, it'd be like a kid, you know, a two-year-old kid. And you're, he, you're, he's the one determining what's right and wrong. Mom, I think we should have candy for breakfast, you know. 
Mom, I, I, and then, you know, five years old, six years old, I don't think we should go to school. No one needs to go to school. And you're like, well, you don't know better. You're just a kid. For us, it has to be from God. It's not the moral legislators. It's not the lawmakers of the land. How we know what's acceptable to the Lord is the Bible, right? It begins with the Bible. Psalm 119, 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And again, we're talking about the walk, and it's like, okay, what steps do I take? And the answer is going to be found in the Word of God, right? Psalm 19, verse 8 says something similar. It says, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. And so that Word of God, it gives light to us. And then when we're safe, sealed, and spirit-filled, the, the Spirit of God will take the Word of God. I'm telling you guys, the Spirit of God will take the Word of God and conform you into the image of God and bring you to a place where you can actually follow God. This is how we are able to know what is right and what is wrong. Not only that, we're talking more than just objective. We're talking now subjective as far as, okay, but what am I supposed to do in this particular situation that I'm in? And, and, and so let me just ask you a question. Do you really want to find out what is acceptable to God? Do you really want to find out what God wants to do in this situation? Then I'm telling you this. We're talking about the Spirit of God, Word of God. We're talking about the Word of God. And we're also talking about prayer. Prayer. So you go and you get alone with the Lord. And for me, it's really cool because... You know, and I hope I don't sound like, uh, you know, saying this in the wrong spirit. But for me, I, when I get on my face, when I get on my knees, when I drown out all the other voices, and I am there, there praying, 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 God speaks to me because we have a personal relationship with God. And this is why it's so important that people cultivate that heart of prayer. Now, I don't know how you'll do it. For me, it's going in my garage, getting on my knees, and making sure that I don't hear any, and I start worshiping the Lord. I, yeah, I have you know supplication, and I have requests and things like that. But as I'm praying and I'm giving God time, He tells me things. He puts things on my heart. And that's what we're talking about in a personal relationship with God. So if you're not doing that, you will never think outside your little box. And you might even be led by the enemy. You might even be led by the flesh because you're not praying. And God says, hey, I got an answer. I got an answer for your situation. This is what you need to do, but you won't give me time to tell you. Finding out. This is what we need to do. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And that's how we can live our life as Christians. It's so beautiful to know that we have the light. What would happen if I turned off all the lights right now? Like all the lights. You guys would freak out, huh? <laughs> no, you pull out your little lights. But you know what I'm talking about, man. Have you ever been out in the uh, in, in places? I don't know. Have you guys ever gone to like caves where there's no light? Have you guys ever done that? I've never done that, but they, it's, it's there. It's crazy. That's where the world is. That's where the world is. That's where those who are not saved are. And so here's something that's really, he's going to transition to something that's really cool. Um, I, my heart goes out to the unsaved. I want to shine so that they would get saved. 
I was thinking about this basketball player. Some of you guys heard about Ja Morant. I think that's his name, Ja Morant. Here's a guy, think about it, 23 years old, one of the most talented basketball players in the whole NBA. And he's up and, and, and rising and he's getting better and better. He's getting ready to enter into a $200 million contract. Any of you guys would be interested in $200 million contract? But you know what he's doing, he's been, it's been kind of a struggle. I guess he's coming out of the neighborhood and he was on Instagram, he was brandishing a gun. And so everything is on the line. Everything is on the line. Now, NBA is doing an investigation. Think about it. He could lose everything. And so, you know, you got your people that are commentators. You know, I mean, you name it, man. The peanut gallery is this crazy alive, and people have their opinions. Critics, 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 critics. But I love what this one guy said. I think it was his name. Uh, I forgot his name. Anyways, he was just sharing, you know, how basically here is a young man that needs help. Do you see that? Do you see that? I mean, because sometimes we, oh, you know, we think and we criticize and we judge and we put them on blast and we put them down and God is saying, no, you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to shine so that they can hopefully get saved. You're supposed to help those who are in darkness. You see? That, that's what he talks about here. Look, at, if you would, it says, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful dark, works of darkness, but rather expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them, but all things are exposed, that are exposed are made manifest, how? By the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. And what's he saying right here? He's saying, well, we're not supposed to go around, you know, doing those things that we used to do with the unfruitful works of darkness. Notice he doesn't say with the unfruitful workers of darkness. No, because we have to be around non-believers. We have to be in the world, not of the world, but in the world. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them, expose them. And so you've seen it on social media, and it's just crazy, you know, how some people will just, they'll expose them. They'll, expose, they'll talk about the details of their dirty deeds, you know, and this, how, how awful that individual is. And they don't know the Lord. And that individual doesn't know the Lord. Oh, no, I'm exposing them. Well, maybe there's a place for that. I have to be careful. I, I do know that John the Baptist did call out the sin of this man who was, you know, hooking up, shacking up with somebody that wasn't his wife. And so, you know, but, but here's the thing, you got to be really careful because what, what we're seeing right here is the exposure is not necessarily talking about it. Again, look at verse 12. For it's shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. So some people, man, they like the juicy, juicy. Man, they like the gossip. They like the, you know, the tasty trifles. Isn't it weird? Have you guys noticed? Or are you guys one of those? You like to gossip? You like to kind of pass on the information? You like to talk about the shameful things that are done? He says, no, you're not supposed to expose them by talking about them. That's not how you're supposed to expose them. He says right here that, that we, we are to expose them with the light, with the light. 
And, and you're wondering, well, well, how do we expose them with, with the light? And, and here's how we expose them with the light, you know, just, just by shining, just by shining. So let me just give you an example. Let's just say, I remember when I used to work at Vons, and you got, you know, you, you know how it is. It's anywhere you guys work, right? I could probably talk to some of you guys that work in different shops and different places. And anytime, like, you know, a good-looking girl would come in, or maybe she's dressed a certain way, and she's got her high heels, and she's clicking down, you know, in the grocery store. And so she's in aisle five, and all the brothers were like, hey, man, check out that chick on aisle five, man. And they're all like, ooh, you know, they're doing stuff like that. And then the next thing you know, I have two options. I could look at them and I could say, you brood of evil vipers. How, how can you escape the judgment to come? You know, I could do that. Or I could say, you know what, bro? I love my wife. And walk the other way. You see how one is talking about it? One is like, oh, that's how I'm going to expose it. But you see how another one is just shining? Just shining? You know, again, I'm not saying that we can never say things, especially as we're going through the scriptures. But I think think some people, man, they are just so stuck there. And God is just saying, hey, you know what? You share too much. You're, You're a hypocrite. You're a Pharisee. Your words carry no weight. You want to know why? Because you don't shine. You don't shine. The the way that we expose it in all reality is by the light of the Lord. You know, I I love Matthew chapter 5. Let me see. I think we have this verse as well. I know a lot of you guys know this. Look what it says. It says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And so I think sometimes we forget, you know, we don't realize, you know, we see these lights everywhere, and we realize how important they are, you know, we can't, you know, drive at night without lights. I mean, we need them all the time. We go home, we turn them on. But we don't realize that we, Christians, are the light of the world. Think about that. Otherwise, the world would be in darkness. So the, the job for me is to let Jesus shine through me, just to shine like that. And so you, don't, do you guys realize this? You are set on a hill. You are set on a hill. And so that means that where you are in your job, you know, you're thinking, no, this is not a hill. This is hell. This is not a hill. (laughs) And God is saying, no, I have you there, and your light is going to shine, and it's inescapable how people are going to see what's going on. And and then he says, and Jesus says, and they don't light a lamp and, and put it under a basket. And so for me, I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm done with um, hiding and, and being afraid, undercover Christian, or even a Christian that doesn't even, in, you're not interested in shining. Lord, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go wherever I go. I want people to see love. I want people to see joy. I want people to see peace. I want people to see Jesus. I'm not going to put it under a basket. Because what Jesus is saying right here is, hey, you've got to make sure that light shines. And as you're there, you've got to let your light so shine before men that they see you, they see you, they see you, 
And they're like, wow, look at that person. They're so amazing. Is that what they see? Absolutely not. They see you and they say, wow, look at how awesome God is. God is. Because our theology is accurate. Our theology is accurate. It's not that man. That man's a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm a wretched man. I'm a wicked man. Nothing good in me except him. So when they see your good works and when it's done right, it's done right, then your father is glorified in heaven. You know, Jesus will set you on a hill. Shine there and all will see. Don't put yourself under a basket any longer. Let Jesus shine through you. You know, you're there in that home. You're in there in that home to shine, not to complain. Not, not to share all the time, not to preach all the time, but to shine. You guys know that, right? That if you really want to see the difference in your family, then they need to see a difference in you. You guys know that, right? To shine. You know, God has you there in that neighborhood. God has you there at that job. God has you there with your extended family and you're not looking forward to getting together with them or whatever it might be. Whatever your sphere of influence is, God has you there to shine. And Philippians 2, 14 through 16 is another important verse. It says, it says this, it says, do all things without what? Complaining. Anyone here complaining? You're a complainer? Brood of vipers. No, I'm just joking. I won't say that. Do all things without complaining and what? Disputing. That's what we tend to do. Complain. We get to fight. Whatever. God said, no. That you may be, become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights. It says lights in the world, lights in the cosmos. And what that is in reference to is when you look up at the sky and you see all those stars. You know, we don't see them as much here, but I remember when I went to the Grand Canyon and we pulled over and uh, it was on the road and, you know, there were no other city lights. You guys know, huh? Have you guys ever seen it? Gone to the desert or something? You see the gazillion of lights that are up there in the sky? Some of those are brighter than others. Sirius? Uh, seriously, that's a very uh, bright star. You see it there. That's who you, you, you are. As a matter of fact, I was thinking in one sense, probably our best um, example might be the moon because the moon has no light of its own. It's just a reflection of the sun. And that's really what he's saying right there, that we are reflections of Jesus. And so he says, shine his light in the world, verse 16, same verse, holding fast the word of life so that I, Paul says, may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. You know, their spiritual leaders will, will be able to say, man, it's so cool to see what God's done in their life. I guess all the sacrifices, the toil, the calling, whatever, the studying, the praying, it wasn't in vain because they're real. They really love the Lord. You know, have you guys ever heard that saying, preach the word and if necessary, I'm sorry, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words? Wouldn't it be cool if someone saw your life and they're like, man, what is it about you? And you tell him, Jesus. You know, I was thinking about the little mermaid. It's getting ready to come out again, you know. And I, I don't know if you guys like that one. I like that one a, a lot. And it's kind of cool because she wants to be part of their world. Have you guys seen the little mermaid? 
If you haven't seen it, you might want to close your eyes. Spoiler alert. But um, she wants to be part of their world, and so you guys remember what happened. They make a deal and stuff like this. And basically, the way that it works is that she has to get Prince Eric to kiss her, or I don't know if it's love her or kiss her, one of the two, kiss her, without her voice. So she can't use her voice. She just has to use her, her life, her love, her smile. Just her. She, has, she can't use her voice. And, and in one sense, I was thinking, not that you can't, you guys. Don't get me wrong. Holy Spirit will lead you on what to say. But, but please let us know that actions, they speak way louder than words. And if you just get out of the way, if I just get out of the way and let Jesus shine, how awesome that'll be, right? So we need to walk in the light like this. And so what ends up happening, we become lights and we have the light of the word and God does the work. And so the conclusion here is in verse 14. He says, therefore, he says, now this is probably a song that they sang in those days. Uh, because if you look at the original language, there's a rhythm. There's a rhythm. Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Okay, so let me just say a few things in closing. Um, a lot of times people in the church are sleeping. They're sleeping spiritually. And so if that's you, let's just say you're here today and you've been on cruise control. Let's just say you've been here and, and you're half in, half out. You've got one eye closed, one eye open or whatever. You're asleep. God says, uh, is it okay if I ring like the alarm clock? You ever have an alarm clock that you hate? Have you guys ever had an alarm clock that you hate? I mean, sometimes they have these alarm clocks that are like, ooh. It's like, how in the world is that going to help me? I used to have this one that was a bell. And, it, that, and sometimes people will hate me. They don't like me because maybe I might be or God might use me as an alarm clock. But understand, it's only because I love you. Seriously, Christian, sleeper, whoever you are, wake up. Wake up because God has a plan for your life. But so does the devil. Wake up. That's what he says. Therefore, wake up, you who sleep, and arise from the dead. And that might be those here today who are not saved. I know my prayer is that you would know Jesus loves you. He died for you on a cross. All your sins were put on him. They put him in a grave. They thought he was dead, but no, he conquered the coffin, gutted the grave, defeated death. He rose from the dead. And all you have to do to be forgiven of your sins... All you have to do to know for sure that when you die, you'll go to heaven is place your faith in Jesus Christ today. Not, not, I'm not talking about religion, not game. Listen, this is your opportunity today to be saved. He won't force you, but you have to make a decision to follow him. And so he says, hey, if you're sleeping, wake up, wake up. Come on, wake up. Get some coffee, stand up in the back, whatever. That's what he's saying, right? Number two, if you're dead, I want you to know I love you. I want to give you life. The moment you accept Jesus Christ, you will have life, and that's abundant life. And then you can know for sure that when you die, you'll go to heaven. And that's when he says, if you do that, he closes, and Christ will give you light. That's my prayer, you guys. If you're here today, um, wherever you're at, some of you guys, you're awake. 
you're doing good it's not applicable in that sense I mean other things are applicable but some of you guys here today um, God wants to do a work